Amen. Thank you so much, Bunny. Now, we're going to be talking about this thing called miracles tonight. Yes. I know I know for you and Chad, you know, you've been um, discussing some things today. Uh, what are you looking forward to that God is going to talk about tonight? I know you were, I heard you guys talking, so I'm just wondering, what was the, the consensus? I'll start with Chad. <laughs> what was Chad? What were you thinking about tonight? Because you guys are talking about miracles and uh, even on the past weeks, what it was looking like. You know, this series was just really get to just know how great God is and that um, no matter what we're going through, he's in control, he's with us. And sometimes we don't understand what's happening, but he has the best for us. Yeah. What about you, Bunny? I know in the past couple of weeks, we, we, we've seen some amazing miracles and we'll probably share some in the future. But Yeah, you know, we talk about how we're the miracle. For me, every week... Every time I wear this shirt, in fact, or every time I see someone wearing this shirt, I am reminded that I'm the miracle because of what he's done in my life. And it's just a constant reminder that he's really all I need and that it's a miracle that I'm even standing here today and that we get to serve this God that continues to pour into our lives. And I know Chad and I were actually talking about, because it is not easy to be up here. And we were like, you know, it's a miracle that we can actually come up here and somewhat try to look like Pastor Sheldon, you know, because it makes it look so easy. But I was telling Chad, you know what it is, is that this is our family. Yeah. This, is, this is our family. You, we are family. So we're just, we get to just come and say, hey, this is what we get to participate together. And then it kind of takes off all of that fear. But we get to do this for the Lord, and that's the miracle. Yeah, so can we just say thank you to Bunny and Chad? Uh, just for, we, we, just, we just love being a part of what you guys are able to bring and and what, what they do is they, they really uh, help us to focus on what we're talking about tonight. They also uh, help us to remember that everyone has some place to serve, that all of us are included. In fact, we're celebrating our 35th anniversary this month. This church turned 35 years old this year. 35. So it's, it's, it's a, man, it's, it's such a great celebration and the joy of being able to serve the Lord in this kind of way. Is amazing. We get to do this for him. And, and Bunny and Chad are right. We are the miracles. That's what these t-shirts represent. So if you, if you ever went into our fellowship hall and you, you were able to check out the t-shirts and, and read what these shirts represent, it represents the miracles that God does and that we are all walking miracles, that it's, it's, it's all about him, what he does. And we may look at miracles as how the Bible talks about, which is fine, but sometimes we miss the the miracles that we cannot see that God is com- continuously doing, and we're looking for the, the healing miracles physically. But we know that even though there are physical healings, one day our physical body, no matter how greatly healed, will one day end, and then we'll be with the Father for eternity. So there are, there are spiritual things that are happening in our lives that are miracles, things that happen in our families relationships that are connected once again, or marriages that are restored, relationships that are restored. Uh, Maybe God uh, sends a friend your way or someone your way that just encourages you and lifts you up that only he could have orchestrated. Those those little miracles matter. And sometimes we don't understand the the whole scope of God's miracles because we, we confine God to what we think a miracle should look like. In fact, the disciples experienced miracle after miracle, and they just couldn't piece it together. They, they couldn't understand, how can this be 
a miracle right now in our midst. They couldn't see it happening at the time, only afterwards. I remember when I first came to this church, like everything we did was around food. Every, everything we had. We had a baptism, potluck. Uh, we had a, a meeting, potluck. We had a, a, a prayer meeting, potluck. Like everybody had to bring food. And I remember this one time, I don't know what we had, some type of 4th of July thing, and uh, people brought food, but more people came than food. So we ran into a problem, and I was young in the Lord, so I didn't understand about, you know, this, the, the, the fish and bread. You know, if, if you know that story about Jesus, he multiplied the food. So they were talking about, no, don't worry, God's going to multiply. I'm like, okay, you got like 100 of us. And get seven musubis. How, how, is this, how is this possible? I'm getting mine. Then you guys can split the rest. So 100 divided by the five rest, whatever. You, you can have it. But they said, no, no, God will multiply. And I'm thinking, how is he multiplying? So when everything was done, everyone ate. And so they were like, see, God multiplied. God multiplied. And I'm thinking, no, we just ate a little bit. Like, and I didn't take away from what they felt was a miracle. I just didn't understand. I said, no, I just, we ate a little bit. Like, yeah, everyone ate, but we ate a little bit. There were no leftovers. We scraped everything. So, yeah, in a sense, everyone ate. But there is a story in the Bible, and we're going to take a look at that. In the book of Matthew, twice it's recorded that Jesus multiplied a physical object. That only Jesus could do this in such a way that it wasn't a hundred people cutting up Fish and bread, where everyone has a little bit. So we're going to take a look at that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 14. We're actually going to look at chapter 14 and chapter 15. And then we're going to go to John chapter 6. So those, those three areas. And when Jesus multiplied the, the fish and bread, it really shows Jesus' power over supplies and resources and, and physical items. And many followed Jesus after this miracle because they saw that there was something about Jesus. They, they were looking for something more, and they kept following him. But what Jesus was teaching them was that they're looking for more in the wrong thing. Tonight, if you want to title something, we're going to talk about Jesus is more than enough. That Jesus is more than enough. In the book of Matthew Chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. I'm reading the NIV version, the New International Version. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So we talked the other week that Jesus was always moved with compassion. He had compassion for people. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away. Now listen, this is the disciples now. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. So not as compassionate as Jesus would be. Like we would be in the middle of the lava fields, and then we would have all of us, and then... Some of the staff would come up to, well, all of us, maybe some leaders would go up to Jesus and say, you know, these people have been here for a while. Tell them go home, and they can go make something to eat. They, they're starving, or go McDonald's. Like, we're in a remote place. There's no place else to go. So it makes sense. 
that they would send him away. So Jesus replied, oh, they, don't need, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. <laughs> so poor disciples, hey, uh, Jesus, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. In other words, it's just enough for us. Like, we don't like share. Or, you know how we say, if you're going to bring, bring for everybody. So they're like, well, we only have five, five loaves and, and two, fri- uh, two fish. So Jesus said, bring them here to me. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Now, I can't even imagine what the disciples were thinking. Like, wait, now you're having them sit down? Like, they're going to eat this fish and bread? Like, okay, one piece for you, one piece for you, one piece for you. And so Jesus has them sit down. Then he, he took the five loaves and the two fish, and then he looked up to heaven. And he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples. <laughs> so, okay, I'm just imagining as a disciple, if Jesus gave me the bread, I'm like, oh, now it's on me. Like, so if I don't give big piece to Brada, and he's like, why can't, how oh, small is this piece? Like, I, I got to deal with that. So the disciples are now responsible to pass out the fish and bread. But Jesus was doing something else in the disciples more than just a task that they thought they were doing. So he said, here, here's the fish and bread. Now go pass this out. He gave them to the disciples, and then the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. But here's, here's where the miracle comes in. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number, the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. So just the men that were counted, 5,000. Now, if we were to count the men here tonight, whatever that number would be, let's just say it was 75, doesn't mean 75 people were there. It's the men that were counted. So there were women and children. Scholars believe there were up to 10,000 people. So like the Ho'olalea in Hilo Town, that many people with five loaves and, and two fish. Imagine going to the Ho'olalea or the county fair with five loaves and two fish in a booth. That, that's what the disciples were feeling. Like, wait, we, we're going to feed the people with this. But they all ate. Jesus has power over these physical objects. And the, multipli- the, the multiplication of the fish and bread actually violated a law of thermodynamics. That you can't, you can't increase fish and bread with fish and bread. Something has to be added to it. So even the laws of nature were being broken because Jesus has power over nature. So even the laws that we know of in our world, laws of gravity, Jesus, he was above those things because he's the, he's the creator. He can, he can do whatever he chooses. He's not bound by the laws of man or, or, excuse me, the laws that are given to us as human beings. He's supreme. He's above all the laws. It's amazing that When Jesus gave them the fish and bread, scientifically thinking, they were bound. They they could not even imagine what Jesus was about to do because humanity bounds us. Our eyes hold us, imprison us to the possibilities of God. 
our eyes, when we look at our marriages, or if, if something is not going right, we, we can't think of the outcome because we can only see what we see. And so we feel what we see and what we're experiencing. And God says, wait a minute. No, I, I'm not bound by what you feel or what you believe. I'm above all of this. Yeah, but calculations say if this happens and this is going to happen, he's saying, I know about calculations, but I'm above all of that, that I, I, I have power over natural things. I can do greater things than you could possibly imagine. That's why the Bible says with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. Not specific things, but all things are possible. In Matthew chapter 15, it continues. In verse 29, Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. So it's like, okay, here we go again. I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, Well, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? So Jesus said, Well, how many loaves do you have? It's like, okay, I'm going to teach you again. How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish. And when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And then turned to the people, and they all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were, all, that were left over. The number of those who ate were, was 4,000 men, besides women and children. After Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got into a boat and went to the vicinity of Magadan. So here we see it again. The disciples, once again, learning about Jesus being able to multiply a physical item. Now, here's, here's where we could have stopped and said, that we, we, we're good with that. Jesus can multiply fish and bread. He, he can multiply our finances. He can do great things. He, whatever you want to do, Lord, we trust in you. In the book of John, now, John, writing this book in the Bible, writes it so that we would believe. That's his goal in writing this letter. And he wants us to believe because the things that Jesus did wasn't just at random. It wasn't because, well, I, I have compassion on these people, so I'm going to feed them, and then that's it. And we know there were more because of what John records. John chapter 6, verse 22. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there. And that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you. So he's, he's saying this, I'm going to give you some truth now. 
And whenever Jesus says, I'm going to give you some truth, means there's something that people were asking that needed truth for revelation. They needed truth for something that was happening in their hearts, in what they were asking, in what they are pursuing for revelation from God. So he says, okay, here, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. In other words, you just want me for what you can get from me. But you really don't want me. And how often that's me. I want Jesus to give me fish and bread. Lord, I, I just, if you can just bless me with finances. I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll serve you. I'll, I'll, whatever you want me to do, I'll do what you want me to do. If you just heal me, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And then Jesus comes in with, very truly, I say to you. And I'm sure there are many of us, yeah, we're drawn to Christ. We love him with all of our hearts. But there's that fine line that we battle with. Isn't it true that sometimes we just come to Jesus because we just want what he can give to us? And Jesus says, no, I, I, I want to be truthful with you. And he does it with such grace. He says, do not work for food that spoils. He's telling us, if you just want stuff from me, that's so temporary. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, wait, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So if you want to do a mighty work for God, believe in Jesus. Yeah, but I want to do great things for the kingdom. Yeah, believe in Jesus. Just come back to Christ. Believe in him. That's the greatest work. That's the work of God. So they asked him, what sign then? Like, I'm thinking, they're not getting it. What sign then will you give me that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors, you know, they ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now that's awesome. Like burritos from heaven, tacos from heaven. You got cereal from heaven. You got, you got manapuas from heaven, pork chops from heaven, shake and bake from heaven, KFC from heaven. You just got all good, good food, whatever food you eat, poke from heaven, kalua pig and poi from heaven. Oh, yeah, now you're like, okay, now, yeah, that's a miracle. But this is, this is what they were saying. They were saying, show us something that, that we would believe. Like, we, we saw what, what happened, and that wasn't enough. Like, they wanted more. So Jesus, Jesus answers them. And he said, very truly, I tell you. So once again, he's saying, listen, you need to hear some truth. You got to bring in some truth. Very truly, I tell you, it is, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they ask. Always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, 
that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? So once again, they're going back to what they can only see and what they know of. Isn't, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How, how can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. What Jesus is saying once again is you're going after temporary things. This is just, it's a temporary so-called fix if you just want stuff from me. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So now they're thinking literally. Now it's getting weird. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you. Now Jesus goes even further if that wasn't already weird. He says, very truly, I tell you. In other words, here's, here's the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, remember, the Bible says the life is in the blood. That's why it's, animals had to be sacrificed in the Old Testament for the remission of sin. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise them up at the last day. Over and over, Jesus is reminding us, this is something eternal. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. In other words, it's eternal. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me. Now, Jesus is now transitioning us from something that sounds kind of weird to something that, wait a minute, this is deeper than what we think. Remains in me and I in them sounds like the vine and the branches. So now Jesus is coming to something that relates to each other. I in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. So Jesus starts with, listen, this is what you're after. You're after something temporary. Yes, your forefathers ate the manna that came from God. But really what God was showing you was, was he's the provider. And he's going to give you me, bread from heaven, the bread of life, something eternal. I'm eternal. That if you eat of my flesh, drink of my blood. In other words, when you're, when you're that close to me in relationship, this will satisfy you. 
It's not what you can get from me. It's not the stuff that I, I'll bless you with. Although great benefits, but Jesus is saying the greatest satisfaction that you will have in your life is having this relationship with me. And if that's all that happens, I am more than enough. But if you flip that around and say, but just bless me, bless me. I can, I can bless you till the day you die. And you'll never be satisfied. Because I am the bread of life. It's not the things that I do for you. Placing these two verses side by side, Jesus is wanting us clearly to understand that he's not talking about a physical thing of drinking of the blood and eating of his flesh. He's just letting us know this is I'm talking about a personal relationship with me now. That it's, it's, it's that close. I mean, I think we did that when we were young. You know, I didn't understand what it meant or understood what we were really doing, but I, I understood what we were trying to say. Like when we were little, we would have like clubhouses. And then you would be so close with a friend that handshakes weren't enough. Uh, uh, a personal, like this is my best friend, was not enough. We had to do something tough. Something that made us brothers. And you know what that was. As guys, in a, like in a club, we would cut our hands and wait for blood to come out and shake hands and say, we are now blood brothers. You won't do that today. But back in the day, that's what we did. We just thought, this is making us now blood brothers. In other words, when there's that blood, that life, that exchange, that was like the furthest you could go to show someone that this relationship is the strongest right now. This is the strongest of our relationship, blood brothers. What Jesus was saying was, I'm shedding my blood for you. That now you become sons and daughters of the Most High God. And that is more than enough. Because that is the highest relationship that you'll ever obtain. And when that relationship is connected, I and you and you and me, you watch what I can do with every other relationship. If this one is not enough, no other relationship will be. If you're looking for other relationships to satisfy you other than me, you can look all you want. It's just not going to satisfy. It may work for a little while. You'll feel good about yourself. Maybe someone says nice things to you and you go out on dates and that feels good. But, boy, if, it's, if I'm not in there, if I'm not first place, everyone else will be last place, even if you think they're first place. But if you put me first and I am more than enough, you become first place, even though someone else may feel last place. You make them feel like a champ because you're with the champion. It's me and you, you and me, that relationship. The people were just looking for things from God and what Jesus could do and what he could bring. And what he was bringing back to them was, I'm just letting you know, this is how you're created. We're created for relationship. And if there's something that we can learn tonight, if you want to write something down, you can write this. If Jesus is not enough, nothing else will be. If Jesus is not enough, nothing else will be. Doesn't, it doesn't matter what you try. If Jesus is not enough, nothing else will be. There is always 
in this world always going to be some kind of bread that will temporarily satisfy us, a temporary fill of the appetite. There will always be some type of bread out there, an appetite of alcohol, an appetite of drugs, an appetite of uh, uh, sex outside of marriage, uh, an, an appetite of, of pornography, an appetite of relationship after relationship, an appetite of what about me and self. It, it, there's, there's always bread somewhere, a temporary fill. It's always going to have that. But Jesus says, why don't you just start with me? Let's, try, let, let's, let's start there and see, see if I'm more than enough. Because he knows what satisfies our soul. This is something eternal. He's saying that, that, that temporary food that you're trying to fill yourself up with, I've been there. You know what that looks like. And that's why I came. I, I came to bring true manna, bread from heaven. And over and over he says, I am the bread of life. I would pray that tonight we would kind of do an assessment with our life. Just look around ourselves and say, Lord, what are some temporary breads that I've been trying to fill my life with and it's, it's just not satisfying my soul? And whatever it is, Lord, can you, can you just be the, the bread of life for me? I, I need to direct my attention to you, that you would be the bread of life and that that I would hunger and thirst no more because you're more than enough, that you're, you're satisfying. And whatever he may show us, maybe he's going to reveal some things. Let him do it. In fact, we're going to pray and let God do some things. I'm going to ask uh, Grayson to come out to the keyboard and you can close your Bibles, even put away your notes if you need to. But just take some time and, and let this settle in. Maybe you've been chasing some breads. Maybe you took a bite of a piece of bread on something and you're like, ooh, and you felt something in your soul. You're like, I, that, that, was, that wasn't good. I know that wasn't good for me. The gracious spirit of God, of God is amazing, outstanding. That when you come before him, there's this thing called repentance. Repentance. That there's a refreshing that takes place. And a joy that comes into our life when we repent, turn from our ways and head towards God. That we repent, we, we change the way we think. And let God do something. Let's leave here different. That whatever bread we had in our life that was kind of like a temporary fix, we don't need. We, we need His eternal spirit to be with us. And, and for some of us, this is such a reminder. We know these things. We, we know about Jesus being the bread of life. And maybe tonight, it's, it's really saying to the Lord, can you just solidify that in my soul, like in the depths of my soul, and I will live in such a way that you are more than enough. Let's pray together. Bow our heads. Lord, we just want to take some time to seek your face to really think through what are some things in our life that that are temporary we, we, we thought it was going to bring satisfaction but w- what we're finding out is 
we're, we're not looking for you. We may have justified some things. Maybe we felt alone or insecure. Maybe someone hurt us. Whatever it could be, Lord. Maybe, maybe we just wanted to see. But we found out that it's still not satisfying. So, Lord, be the bread of life for us. And reveal to us, can you give us some truth? With your grace, Lord, you can speak to us. And just receive that tonight. Whatever he speaks to you, you'll, you'll hear his spirit. Trust that he's speaking to you. one of the things we appreciate about you is your grace, your mercy, forgiveness, your healing. The miracles you performed was always to point us back to you. It was never about the miracle itself. And so we want to just want to be with you and love you. Fall more in love with you. If when we come to church, Lord, or read the Bible or pray together, if at those moments we don't fall more in love with you, then what are we doing? Help us to fall more in love with you. I want to be close to you. And in the world we live in, things pull us away. We stray from you. We justify our behavior. We chase after temporary bills, things that we think will satisfy us. But in the end, all those temporary things, they drift away. And when the smoke fades away, the, the dirt is removed and the darkness is cleared out and everyone is gone, even people that said they would be there for us and even those that may have betrayed us and everyone is gone everything's clear you still remain faithful you still stand you still show yourself to us you've never left us you're right in front of us and you're always there so thank you for your faithfulness your grace your love and your mercy you are more than enough, Lord. For that, we are grateful. So we bless your name, Lord. We thank you for being a wonderful Savior, the miracle maker. It's never about the miracle. It is always about you. So thank you again. We pray this in Jesus' name. And we all said, 
Amen. We just say thank you to Jesus. You can verbally say it. You can give him a, a clap offering. You know, next week we're going to have our, uh, our worship night, our, our miracle worship night. And uh, we're going to be doing some things next week. We're also going to be having a time of prayer. But I want to I invite you to be here next week. And what, what we're concluding with, with this series is really pointing us back to Jesus. That it's, it's, it's not about the miracles. It's about Jesus who performed the miracles. And we will always come back to him. And I pray that we love Jesus tonight more than ever. That we can always, always know that he's there. Would you welcome up Bunny and Chad as they close us up? Thank you, Bunny and Thank Chad. You, for being Pastor up. Thank you, Pastor Sheldon. It's so good to just really get to know how much Jesus loves us. And, you know, I remember when I would read the stories, all these miracles that he would do, and I would have a hard time believing them. But I, and I, and I realized, though, when I looked at Jesus, I was looking at him in comparison to myself. And I'm not Jesus. He is God and he is supreme. And so that's where I need to just trust in him and trust in that love that he has for us and that he pursues an eternal relationship with us. That's good. It, it, he pursues us. And when we pursue and, and run after him, just imagine the, the blessing that comes with that. So I have to ask, Chad, you ever, are you a blood brother with anybody? Nope, have not You've done that. You've never done that before? No. Oh, I've kind of done it a couple of times. <laughs> I actually thought Pastor Sheldon would say they spit in the hand and then they do that, which I was like, which is way more gross than blood. But I like that because, you know, God shed his blood for us and we become in that relationship with him. And, and as Pastor Sheldon was sharing, I, I kept thinking about the increase. Now, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure a lot of you have, or some of you have experienced Hilo Hawaiian buffet or a buffet, right? Well, my boys, when we go, they don't eat rice. They don't go to the salad. They go straight to the crab. You want to know why? Because we're going to be filled up with the best. When we go to Christ first, instead of all of this other bread that Pastor Sheldon was talking about, we go straight to the good stuff and we get filled with that. Why don't we stand and as we conclude, can we have the worship team please come out? God is going to increase in our lives. He is ready to multiply in your life. And we get to go and we get to say, you know, can you imagine? Can you imagine when we are filled so much with him that there's an overflow, there's leftovers? That's where we want to be because then we don't want then we don't have an appetite for anything else. We won't desire anything that is secondary to the best of the best, and that is Jesus Christ. So why don't we just conclude tonight as we praise and we worship our King who has awakened in us. Because you know what? We, you, are the miracle. And he is ready to multiply himself in your lives. Amen? Amen. Amen.